Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. We want to continue with our study on the 144,000. And so we go straight to Revelation 14, verse 1 and 2. Revelation 14, 1 and 2. Praise God. It talks about, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having the Father's name written in their forehead. And that's uh, where we are into dealing with the issue of the forehead. I tried to make us understand the previous studies that when we talk about the head, or the forehead, we're talking about that which encompasses your dimension of wisdom, of understanding, of revelation, and what controls you. When we talk about the head, we talk about that what controls the man. Um, and so here we see the Father's name written on the forehead of the 144,000, and that is very important for us to understand. But I tried to give us a, a little illustration, I think the last time, the story of and Elisha. You know, when Elijah was to go, and this was a contention that came up because of how that Elisha was following Elijah. And here the Bible says, and the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho, Kesha, said unto him, Knowest thou that, that the Lord would take away thy, head, thy master from thy head today? And he answered, yes, I know. I know it. Hold your peace. Now, what I want you to see there is, know that the Lord will take away the master from thy head. Thy head. That's the important thing I want you to know. How to observe that. So what's the meaning of this statement? If you look at it critically, it's another way of saying, do not know that your master will be taken away from you today. The head is your source. Right? So Elijah was the source of the understanding of the revelation of the mind that Elisha was to be working with. In other words, don't you know that your source of authority, your source of wisdom, your source of guidance, your rulership will be taken away from you today? This is exactly the question that the sons of the prophet were asking Elisha. Praise the Lord. Now, if the head that controls the body is taken away, then, of course, his head with his authority is taken away, and that includes his forehead. Amen? For the forehead is contained within the head. This is very simple. When we say the forehead, the forehead is also part of the head. So, if Elijah... Is, I mean, Elijah is to be taken away from Elisha, who was his head. Everything about the wisdom, the source, the authority of Elisha was now to be taken away. They are embedded in who? In Elijah. So the word head is not talking about, you know, maybe like cut off the head of someone, but talking about the source, talking about authority, talking about power, talking about what controls you, and that includes the forehead. Amen. Praise the Lord. Alright. So, it's important you understand this. God's servants are beheaded people. I, I just want to use this word so that you can have an understanding of what I'm about to say. And this as well. Uh, the true servants of God are beheaded people. When I use the word beheaded people, they've lost their head. True servants of God have no head. And I want you to understand that. What I mean is, First of all, they have the head as Adam, which are the source, the carnality, the source of the control. But once you are born again, you have another head, which is Christ. Now, the point is, people don't see you to still be alive. In fact, they see you to be mad. Once you don't operate with the initial head that they were operating on. I don't know if you understand what I mean here. Praise God. Okay, let me give you an example. Um, Act 26, verse 24. Act 26, verse 24. 
And as he thus speak for himself, Festus said, this is Paul, with a loud voice, Paul, beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. By implication, Saul was a madman. When somebody is mad, it means he has lost his senses. He's lost his understanding. Why were they saying Paul is mad? Because here was somebody who was positive to the Christians. Was turning around to defend the Christian community. Something must be wrong with him. I don't know if you're getting that. That's why I said true servants of God, they are beheaded people. They are people who have lost their senses. They don't, people see them not to be normal. And actually, they are no longer normal. Because their thinking changes, their understanding about situational changes, their reasoning changes. The perception about things are completely different from the way it's supposed to be normally, you know, perceived. So, the natural man sees a believer, in the true sense of it, to be somebody who has lost his mind. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. Now, they lost their mind because originally they have the mind of Adam and they were thinking the same way with every other person. You understand what I mean? But now all of a sudden, even within your family circle, you begin to understand that your thinking is different from their thinking. Something else is happening to your mind. Different from the way you used to operate before. The Spirit of God is now dictating the things you say, your actions, and your attitude. And so the people around you sees you to be abnormal. So that's why I said true believers are beheaded people. They've lost their mind, they've lost their senses. And that's exactly what they are trying to describe Apostle Paul to be. Most learning have made him mad. But that was not the issue. It was not most learning that made him mad. It was the understanding that he finally received after I said, counter with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what I mean? Right. So there was a complete change. Now, I'm saying all of this to come to the point of saying that the names of the Father were written where? In their forehead. Hallelujah. So, this is what Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. In the Living Bible, it said, you are insane. Your long studying has broken your mind. That living Bible, that's the way it is put there. Much learning has made you insane. You are insane. You are mad. You see? Praise the Lord. Look at the book of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, the Bible says, For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now look at John 10 verse 20. John 10 verse 20. And he says, And many of them said, He had the devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? This is about Jesus. Amen? What, how did they describe Jesus? A madman. How did they describe Apostle Paul? A madman. Now, every madman is a complete uh, odd man as far as society is concerned. You see a madman, you, you, in fact, most of them you try to give way. And you know the way they behave ordinarily. So, society will describe mad people as those who are insane, who not think the way you're thinking. Now, Jesus was speaking and teaching, and they looked at him, why are you listening to this man? This man is a madman. Why? Because his language was not the same language of the people. Are you following me? Same way they spoke to, uh, uh, we read just now about to Apostle Paul, that he was mad. True sons of God are seen as people because of their attitude and conduct and languages. In the way they present matters, the way they see situation, is completely different from the natural way the people see them. Why? Because they've lost their head, which was the original Adam head. Now they have another head, which is Christ's head. And so they're speaking from the perspective of the new head. Praise God. Amen. So, what made Paul to be mad in their estimation? The language, the reason of Paul, who was once a Pharisee, 
and persecuted in the Christian community have changed. The man who was supposed to go after the Christians is now the one defending the Christian community. That is abnormal. Hallelujah. Amen. That is completely what? Abnormal. Same thing with Jesus Christ. So I keep on emphasizing the point this. In the true sense of it, the natural man cannot see you to be normal. Because of what you carry, because of the, the sense and the perception that you handle matters and you handle things, you are absolutely abnormal. Praise the living God. And so you are beheaded. You lost your head. You lost your mind. That's the way man sees you. But of the truth, you are the one that have the mind of Christ. They are the one that really do not have the real mind. They have a wrong mind. You have the real mind. But they don't see it that way. Because you are not in that camp anymore. By way of your thinking and your reasoning. So the true sense of it is, if you are truly born again, your thinking differs from other people. Your attitude, your conduct, and all of this thing is an influence that comes from the spirit, which is right in your mind at this moment. Praise the living God. Because you are operating with another influence entirely, with another head, another source of authority, which is Christ. And so we find that a new personality emerges in your life, just as a way, even with the soul of Tarsus, the same way, a new personality emerges. And so that is where you see in the Second Corinthians 5 verse 17, if any man be in Christ, what did he say? He says, a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. If any man be in Christ, and that's exactly, you become a new creature. So, you see, Apostle Paul was a new personality from who he used to be. Why? Because he's joined with Christ now. He's operating with another spirit. So, praise the Lord. Now, this is one of the reasons how we say the world cannot see Christ today. Because they cannot see those who are called Christians who have lost their mind for the cause of Christ. We, we don't see Christ manifested. People in the world don't see Christ the way he's supposed to be seen. Why? Because they can't see any difference even in our thinking. From the way we were thinking before we became believers. And so it's difficult for the world to really see if you are born again or there are Christians around us. Why? Because of our thinking. Hallelujah. This is why we cannot see the revelation of Christ be made manifest to creation. Why? Because we have not been totally swallowed up with a new paradigm. As God has ordained it through the Spirit of Christ. We still model our life, we still model our attitude based on what happened there and based on what people dictate to us. It's difficult for people to see the new Christ that is supposed to be born again within us. So you see, Apostle Paul actually encountered a Christ. If any man be in Christ, a new creature. Yes, you can see it in him. And everybody begin to say, This man has changed. Something have really happened to this man. Hallelujah. You know. So. But of course. What is going on. We are still holding on to the old ideas. Of doing things. Our former head. Whatever it was. Is still controlling us. And yet we claim to be who? To be Christians. And that is absolutely false. What I mean is this. If Adam was ruling us. Before we became Christ, people know exactly how our lives were. Amen? And so, if you come into the place where people really have to assess you that you've changed, then the new head, which is the new authority you have, should be the one that dictates what you say, how you act, how you live. Amen? You have to have a new authority that controls you. And people should be able to see that glaringly without you even trying to defend it. They can see it in your life that of a truth there is a change in this man. 
His language has changed. His conduct has changed. His relationship has changed. I mean, it's a new species of people. That's one thing about Christianity. It's something that the world has never seen before. That's what Christianity was supposed to be. A new species of people. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's what our new creature really means. It has in Christ a new creature. It's a new species of people. And if you're a new species of people, your conduct, your attitude, your manner of attitude, in, I mean, all realms, in all ways, must differ. Praise God. Though you are in the world, but you are not of this world. Some are, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, honestly, we can say we stop deceiving ourselves most times by reason of what we proclaim and what we live. We proclaim that we're Christian, but our speeches can betray us that we're not born again. Are you with me? Yes, we proclaim that we are Christians, but our attitude can betray the fact that we truly have not received the Spirit of Christ that is supposed to control and lead us. You can check some of those things with your anger. If there's any way you can measure your anger, measure it and you'll be able to know. Measure the respect you have for people. As compared to when you were born again, I mean, before you were born again. These are some parameters you can use to measure if you're really having Christ. The Bible talks about Christ being a lamb of God. You can have to understand the difference between the spirit of a lamb and the kind of anger that you exhibit. You check it and find out. Who is controlling you at this moment? Who is ruling your life? Who is your head? Praise God. So you can see that from your anger, you can see that from your language, and the way you rate yourself, what occupies your mind, you wake up from your bed every morning. You can assess whether Christ is actually ruling you or not. Praise the Lord. Are you there? We must understand that there is nothing like half truth. That there is no half belief. It is either you are for Christ in your witnessing, by your conduct, your attitude, your language, or you're just keeping people deceived by claiming to be a Christian. No, no middle ground about it. And for those who understand what we are saying, they can easily say if you're truly born again or not. They look at you, they can truly say it's of a truth. You are a child of God. Hallelujah. And it's all by way of your conduct. They measure that by your conduct. Have you ever had people say that? I don't believe this man can do that. And you say, why? He's supposed to be a Christian. You've heard that before, right? Good. So people have a standard. I mean, you don't blame them. Why? Because what the book says, the book required according to the Bible, project us to have gotten a standard of life that we are supposed to live. And so everybody also have taken that. So on a daily basis, you are facing the judgment seat of Christ by the way you conduct yourself. Hallelujah. So it's important you understand this so that you know, listen, we're dealing with the issue of the head. Now, let's read the scripture again. The book of Luke chapter 9 verse 58. Luke chapter 9 verse 58. There was this man that came to him uh, and he said, we want to follow you. I've already told people this. It's important, yes, that we want to become maybe ministers. But in the true sense, largely, God doesn't want to use volunteers. The reason is because most people who come in to volunteer to do the work of the Lord, they have ulterior motive. They want to use the name to make fame. They want to use the name to popularize themselves. They want to use the name to make a living. Jesus knew this. And so he doesn't allow volunteers to come to him. He rather chase people. Now, when this individual came to him and said they want to follow him, go back again. Let's look at it from 56 maybe so that I can get a true picture. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life but to save them. And they went to another village 
57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee, whether they were goest. Now he turned the request down. Look at the next verse. He said, And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. Think about that for a moment. The Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. Is that supposed to mean that Jesus will have nowhere to sleep? No. In John chapter 1, even Philip told him, Where do you say? Come, let me show you where I stay. Right? There is nowhere Jesus was passing by or passing through that he wouldn't have people invite him to come and stay in their homes. What he was telling this man was the same thing I'm trying to deal with in the case of like what you find in Elijah. Jesus is telling this man here, look, you said you want to follow me, but you can't carry my revelation. You don't have the mind to receive my spirit. You're pretending to come to me so that you can use me to become popular or to make a living. I don't have a church yet mature enough that can carry my revelation. Are you following what I'm saying now? As Elijah was the head of Elisha, automatically you find out he was the head of all the sons of the prophet. So Jesus is saying here, I do not have a church yet that can embody my revelation, my wisdom. The people I can rule have not truly come forth yet. Why? Because then the Holy Spirit has not been given. Are you following that? That's what he's trying to say. The Son of Man have nowhere to do what? To lay his head. But of now, he has a place to lay his head. Because now we are his body. He is the head of the body. After the Holy Ghost has been given. And the church has come into place. Hallelujah. Look at it. Ephesians 3 verse 9 to 10. Ephesians 3 verse 9 to 10. And he said, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world have been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Number 10. To the intent that now, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So now the wisdom of God Remember, Christ is the wisdom of God. Is that okay? Now the wisdom of God is found where? In the church. After the Holy Ghost has come, the church is coming to place, which is now the body of Christ. Christ is not the church. So the wisdom of God, which is Christ, is now resident where? In the church. So the church is supposed to be the means by which the wisdom of God dispenses on the face of the earth. Now get the point right. Okay, again, just look at Colossians. Colossians 1 verse 18. Colossians 1 verse 18. And it says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the fourth born from the dead, that is in all things, it may have what? The preeminence. Now, what I want you to see, look at the top there. Is the head of the body, the church, is the head of the body, the church. Elijah was the head of Elisha. Are you getting the understanding now? Very good. So, when he said in Luke chapter 9, the son of man had nowhere to lay his head, you begin to understand that. That time he made a statement, the church had not come into being. Now the church is coming to being by reason of the Holy Spirit, so he has a place to lay now where? His head. The church is his body. So now, the church is meant to be controlled or ruled by the wisdom of Christ. So you as an individual, your life is meant to be controlled by the wisdom of who? Of Christ. Because it's not your head. So your attitude and conduct is meant to relate or to be conformed or to be dictated by the wisdom of Christ. That is now your head. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's quickly look at Revelation 20 verse 4. Revelation 20 verse 4. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. 
and for the world of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, what I want you to see from this passage is this. The souls of them that were beheaded is not talking about those who were killed literally by either sword or whatever for being the witness of Jesus. That's why I read before in Acts 26 in the case of Apostle Paul. You find that he was beheaded for the witness of Jesus. By implication, these are men who are truly bearing witness of Jesus Christ by their life and their conduct and whatever language they have to put forth. Are you following me? That's what I mean by being beheaded. These are irrational souls. But I'm going to souls that are longer thinking the way man thinks. They are irrational souls, not normal souls, in quote. Amen? Are you listening to me? So, when we saw the souls that were beheaded, we're talking of irrational souls, men whose thinking is no longer normal. They are mad, in quote, by the definition of the world. They are no longer reasonable, like we find in the case of Apostle Paul, we find in the case of Jesus Christ. When they said, why are you listening to him? He's mad. He's an irrational soul. So here we have the people who lost their mind, they lost their head for the witness of Jesus. Praise the living God. So we say they lost their hand, they lost their mind for the witness of Jesus and the word of God, which have not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither have received his mark upon their forehead or in their head, and they live and reign with Christ a thousand years. Amen. Praise the living God. So by implication, we are saying here are the people that are alive from the dead. What I mean is, give me Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And yet had a quicken who were dead in trespasses and sin. And I want you to get this. You were dead in sins and trespasses before you received Christ. Enoch said, you've been quickened. You've been given life. Is that okay? Right. So the rational soul are men that have received life and have become witnesses for who? For Christ. To the old man. Look at verse 2. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh where? In the children of disobedience. The children of disobedience are simply the unbelievers. Is that okay? So, now, remember, now, it's not saying there's a spirit controlling these people who are not born again. And you were there before until you were quickened. Now, the spirit that is controlling these people who are not born again, it makes them to belong to the part A or the verse 1 of Ephesians 2 which is referred to as those who are dead in sin and transverses. Though you were there, but you've been quickened. Now, instead of the spirit that is now controlling the disobedient ones, another spirit is now doing what? Controlling you. And because that spirit is controlling you, now you can reign with Christ. Because you're reigning with him. Jointly reigning with him. Why? Because we have his spirit. Now, you must understand what I'm talking about a thousand years. I have explained that severally. It has nothing to do with uh, arithmetic calculation of one to one thousand. You know, scripture will tell you a thousand like a day and a day like a thousand years. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, we are talking of those exercising the authority of Christ in their lives, even as Elijah took over from Elijah. Now, I want you to get that. Elijah was the head of Elisha. And when Elijah left the scene, Elisha took over and was exercising authority and doing, in fact, scripture says he multiplied all the miracles that Elijah did. Remember that. And that's exactly 
So it's another way of saying when Jesus said, greater work shall you do because I go to my father. Elijah doubled all the miracle of Elijah. The body of Christ is supposed to multiply the miracles of Jesus Christ. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. So, we are talking of those who have no say but the will of God. These are the righteous souls. They find in Revelation 20. They don't have their own will except for what God says, except for what God determines, except for how God leads them. They don't have their own say even about their life anymore. They lost everything. They are irrational soul. They are beheaded. They lost their mind for the mind of Christ. And that's a very hard place to be anyway. For you to be able to think that, okay, you must walk only by the dictates of Christ's spirit. I know it's a hard thing to do, but that is where God intends us to be. If we truly want to ring with him, because it's really when you begin to exercise this mind that you have to, through authority in every situation that you find yourself. It is when you begin to allow his mind to flow through you that you can do whatever you are supposed to do as a child of God. In terms of manifesting his presence, his glory on the face of the earth. We must become irrational to the things of this world as far as Christ is concerned. If we must exercise authority, if we must exercise dominion, if we must exercise the power of Christ, then we must lose our mind and have his mind. Praise the living God. Right. Are you following me? So we are really talking about those who have lost their mind. Now they are controlled by the mind of Christ. Remember what Jesus will say. I'll do nothing except what I see at the Father do. I will say, God, if it be thy will, he lost his mind. He had no will of his own. He had no mind of his own. Everything he must do is that which comes from the Lord. And that's exactly how God intended us to walk. He has brought us to the place where his will becomes our will. He has to dictate what we do. We no longer have our will. You know, we often hear people talk about um, will and um, you have a will or whatever. And, and I used to tell people, you don't have a will in the true sense. You know what? When you were in Adam, you had no will of your own. You were being controlled by the spirit of Adam. And when you come to Christ, you have no will of your own. You are supposed to be controlled by the will of Christ. Why? Because you are servants. Every servant has no will of his or her own. Are you there with me? So, you were once a servant to slave, in quote, to Adam, to the devil. So, how did you think you had a will? You never had a will. And then when you become a Christian, you can't control yourself anymore. You have to pray by the will of your master because Jesus is now your master. No slave has a will of his or her own. It's not seen anywhere. No slave in the masters that can dictate what he or she wants to do. And Paul will say, I'm a born slave of Jesus Christ. How can a born slave have a will? No, you do not have a will in the true sense. You lost a will to have his will. And Jesus will say, he that lost his life, we gain it. But he that gain his life, we lose it. So, if you truly want to gain your will, you lose it. But if you lose your will, you get it. And what will are you going to get? You get the will of who? Of Christ. So Jesus will say, not my will, but your will. He has no will of his own anymore. Every true child of God, you don't have any will of yours. Your life is supposed to be controlled and molded by the will of God. And that was gives you power to rule and reign, to cast a devil and do whatever you are supposed to do. Why? Because you're no longer operating by yourself or on yourself or by your own dictate, but the dictate of he who is now your head. Hallelujah. So the irrational soul refused to identify with the beastly system or the early system of man. The conduct is not heavenly. They have had their minds renewed in the spirit of the Father. You can read that in Romans 12, verse number 2. Be a transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. So the 144,000 we are dealing with, we don't have the mind of Christ. They've lost their mind completely. As touching the beastly system in Revelation 13, remember, 
if you move to Revelation 13, time for me to read it some of the time. Once you're moving from Revelation 13, you come to Revelation 14. But in Revelation 13, that is where you see those who have the mark of the beast on their forehead and in the right hand. You see that? And then when you move to Revelation 14, you now have the one for the 4,000 that have the name of the Father written where? In their forehead. That is to say the one for the 4,000 have been able to overcome the beastly system, which is the Adamic life. They've been able to overcome everything that has to do with the power of the enemy. The control of the Adamic life and the devil is no longer functioning in their lives. They've received a new nature. They receive a new mind because they now have a new head. Praise God. So until you are beheaded, you cannot reign with Christ. And that is very important. Let that be your take home for tonight. Until you are beheaded, you can't reign with Christ. Please understand that. Because you cannot receive his mind to sit on a throne. Those who are beheaded, they sat on throne. Which is the place of rulership, the place of authority. Are you following that? Come on, are you with me? Until you are beheaded, you can't reign with Christ. Until you lost your mind, you can't reign with Christ. Until you lose your self-consciousness, when I say self-consciousness, overrating yourself, you can't rule with Christ. Are you with me? The Bible tells us we have to measure ourselves by the very level by which God has given us grace. So, if you operate in a life of overrating yourself, you can't reign with Christ because there's another spirit that is working in your life. For you to have a throne to rule from, you must be beheaded. You must become an irrational soul. Praise the Lord. And that gives you the place of rulership. So now we know we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. And that's what it says. Praise the Lord. And he said, For we who have known the mind of the Lord, say, For who have known the mind of the Lord, that he might instruct him. But we have what? The mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, that means also you have the will of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, that means you've lost your original mind. Are you with me? For the world we say, let this mind be in you, which was also you in Christ Jesus. So we have the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, you don't have the mind of your own anymore. If you have the will of Christ, you don't have your own will anymore. Are you following me? And this is exactly what the Bible is making us understand. Now you come to this stage, you become an irrational soul. And then you are moving to ascending to a place of authority, a throne. There has to be a throne for you once you begin to receive the mind of Christ. Meaning, you are coming to the place of authority and power. You are coming to the place of dominion. You can effect changes on the earth. Why? Because you are on a throne. And once you are on a throne, you have authority. Once you are on a throne, you have power. If you lost your mind for the mind of Christ, you receive power from Christ. Your words become effectual, become powerful, become energizing, become creative. Why? Because it's not longer your mind is the mind of Christ. It's not your words, it's the word of Christ. You read the other day, I think, Ezekiel 37, right? Or 36, talking about the valley of dry bones. Remember that? Good. The question was, son of man, what can happen? I have no idea. It's about, I, was, I speak as I was commanded. It is not what he wanted to say. It is what was given to him to say. So when you come to the place of being on the throne, your words become powerful and they become creative. Are you following what I'm saying now? Why? Because you lost your mind. Now you have the mind of Christ. You lost your will. You have the will of Christ. And so, you become an irrational soul that was sent there to a place of authority as far as being on a throne. So we have the mind of Christ because we lost our mind in Adam. Amen? Praise the living God. All right. And let me just say this before we close for tonight. 
if we must um, come, we go back now to Revelation 14. It talks about the name of the Father is written on their forehead. And like I said before, we're not dealing with arithmetical numbers, so we're not dealing with 144,000 as it were. I've explained that severally. Now, we know that this is symbolic of the Spirit. Praise the living God. All right. So, if we may ask the question, what is the Father's name that's written on the forehead? And that become an interesting question for us to look at. You know, we have a lot of names that we call God. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sikeno, Jehovah Rapha. Amen? So the question is, which one is the name? Because it said, the name, Father's name. He didn't say names. The Father's name. And I want you to get that. Praise the Lord. So which one is the name of all the myriad of names that we know that we call God? Which one is this one that's written on the one for the 4,000 forehead? That's a question now. Praise the Lord. Look at John 5 verse 43. John 5 43. Jesus said, I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another should come in his own name, he will you receive. What is the father's name? Amen. Praise the Lord. I just want you to think a little bit about that because remember, the one for the four thousand have the father's name written in their forehead. And Jesus said, I came in my father's name. So which one is the Father's name of all the names of God that we know? Praise the living God. I would like us to take a very simple reading just to give a clear comparison of scripture to understand what the name stands for. Look at 1 Samuel 25, 1-9. 1 Samuel 25, verse 1-9. Praise the Lord. 25, 1 to 9. Okay. And Samuel died and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him. I don't know if this is what I'm looking for. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm actually looking for the, the story of Abigail. And I think, uh, let me see if that's what I'm looking for. Or is it Second Samuel? Let me just quickly check it out for you. But if you can find it out, let me see it. But I'm looking at the story of Abigail and Nadab. You know this story, right? Praise the Lord. Okay. Move to verse 2. Let me see if that's what I'm looking at. Okay. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Go to verse 2. And there was a man in a man of whose name were Camel, and the man was very great. Keep the story here. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was sharing his sheep in Camel. Verse 3. Now the name of the man was Nadab, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a, a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was Polish and evil in his doing and he was of the house of Caleb and David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did share his sheep and David sent out ten young men and David said unto him to the young men get you out to Carmel and go to Nadab and greet him in my name I want you to understand remember John 5 Jesus said I came in the name of the father all right. Go to the next thing. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thy house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. 
And verse 6 and 7 says, And now I've heard that thy sheriffs, now thy sheriffs which were with us, we hold them not, neither was thou all missing unto thee. All the while they were in Camel. And the young men, and thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thy eyes, for we come in good days. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh in thy hand unto thy servant and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabah according to all those words in the name of David and seize. Now that's the point I want you to see. What was the name of David? David is David. Amen. So it wasn't like we came in the name of David or like we saying in the name of Jesus. What he's telling us here is David is our head. He's our authority. We're coming on behalf of David. We are representing David. We didn't come of our own selves. Praise the living God. So to come in the name of the Father is to come as a representative of the Father. So when Jesus said, I came in my Father's name, it means I represent him physically because you can't see him being spirit. Are you getting this now? So the servant of David, they went on and up and they stood and they made the pronouncement. We came in the name of David, not of our own selves, but the authority of the one that sent us and that is who? David. Now, I'm trying to make you see this because we are told that the name of the father was written where? On their forehead. So what is it supposed to mean? The authority of the father. Does it make sense to you? Praise the living God. So the name of David simply means on behalf of David or in the authority of David. And that's all. They spoke according to the commandment David gave to them as his servant. It became plain that Jesus coming in the name of the Father simply means he came as a representative of who? Of the Father. He was simply here as an ambassador. I remember the scripture says we are ambassadors of who? Of Christ. So what's the implication of that? When we come in the name of the Father, we come as representative of who? Of the Father. We come in the authority of the Father. And so when Jesus tells you, he shall cast that devil in my name. That means the authority you represent, you are representing that authority before him. Praise the Lord. So name simply means the authority of an individual who is in power. Anybody who is in power, part time. And it gives you a name. So again we say when Jesus said, you can do this in my name, what he's saying is I'm in authority. Therefore, you can do that in my name. Remember what he said in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth will be given to the Son of Man. Is that okay? So he is in charge. So when he says you go and cast a devil in my name, use my authority. Stand in my place. Just like the servant of David who is telling his place that we come in the name of David. You can also do that with the name of Jesus. Because you've been given that authority as a representative, as an ambassador. You are not of your own. So if you are praying, pray without understanding. If you're casting a devil, do that without understanding. That it is not you. You are representing a higher authority. And that is the name of Jesus. Why? Because all authority in heaven and earth have been given unto the name Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every name must bow. All tongues must confess that Jesus is Lord. His Lordship is universal. And so you casting a devil or you praying and saying in Jesus' name, what you are simply saying in the authority of the one that rules, I'm saying what I'm saying. And devils or system will obey you. Why? Because you are not representing yourself. You are representing a higher authority. 
that is now in charge of the universe. You understand what I mean now? So, we're going to deal with that fully again in the next section of the name written on our forehead. But I think you have the understanding what it means now. To write a name or to come in a name talking about the nature of that individual. And that's the one I swear in authority. Praise the living God. So what again? Got this point right? You lost your mind because you have to take the mind of Christ. You lost your will because you have to take the will of Christ. And so you become an irrational soul. And anyone that operates from that dimension of life, they strong to reign with Christ. Hallelujah. We must understand that one thing that loses the devil is the spirit of unbelief. What in a makes the devil to have a dominion is the spirit of unbelief. Once you can have your conviction about who you are, who you represent, as one in authority, you have authority of the devil because it's not about you, it's about him. Hallelujah. And so because we receive the name on our forehead, we've lost our mind, we receive his mind, and therefore we have authority, authority of the one that we represent, which is Christ, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. So in any situation, when you pray, have that conviction that it is not about you, it's about him that you represent. Just like those servants of David could go to Nadab, they didn't speak about themselves, they spoke about him. We came in the name of who? Of David. Give us food that we may eat. It's simple as that. We are not asking you to do this for us. We're asking to do it because of the person that will do what we represented. And Jesus said, I came in the name of my father. You have to understand that. So now the name of the father is being written on your forehead. That means you also, you walk in the name of the father. But above all, Jesus gave you his name. In my name, you shall cast the devils. Why? Because all authority have been given unto him. The name is not just about Jesus. The name is what that authority represents. I don't know if you are getting that. Praise the living God. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.